but an invite to a much greater wedding has gone out in history and is proclaimed from this pulpit and uh, in each of our lives as we answer his call to be missionaries. We're taking that invitation out for others to come and join the great banquet of the Lamb, which is what we'll read about shortly. As we know from our journey in Revelation so far, uh, judgment has finally and irretrievably come upon Babylon, that great prostitute who has seduced the whole world and caused many to fall. The saints of God are the ones who have spoken out against the immorality and godlessness of the prostitute and are aware of the beast on which she rides. The saints of God, true born-again Christians, they are the ones who can increasingly see the spiritual reality undergirding the whole of human existence. We are the ones who are enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit to flee idolatry and the sin sickness of the world system. The Christian hope becomes a new and superior hope, a sure and steadfast hope in their King, Jesus the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah of Israel who has now come and shown the way to his people, both Jews and Gentiles. If you're not a Jew here this morning, then you are a Gentile and he has come for you. As we continue to observe and understand the visions that John is seeing in the book of Revelation, we continue to be equipped for the Christian life, both in our role as prophets of God, those who speak his word in every season, whatever the palatability of the message to our listeners, And we are encouraged to persevere as well because the glory of the Lamb has been revealed already but not yet fully. Yet the message of Revelation agrees with the testimony of the whole New Testament and the whole of Scripture that the Lord God is sovereign and he keeps his promises. The end will surely come to the injustices of the world and a new order will be fully established we have the deposit now because that work has begun in the hearts and lives of the saints of God and so I wonder this morning do you know that peace and joy have you received an invite to the wedding like no other Let's read from Scripture, Revelation 19. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke goes up from her forever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. 
And they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you, his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this, I fell to his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of god almighty on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written king of kings and lord of lords and i saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together, to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulphur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. May God bless his holy word to us today as we open it and explore it. I've got three W's, uh, but it's not a web address I'm giving you. Firstly, a wedding. Secondly, a warrior. And thirdly, worship. A wedding a warrior, and worship. 
as we consider a wedding invite like no other. So, a, recent, a recent quip that I read was related to Revelation. And do you know how the armies are riding on horses? Well, someone says, I think I finally know why the armies are riding on horses. It's because, have you seen the price of petrol lately? <laughs> I found that quite amusing. But we don't know, do we? We can't count our chickens. We don't know the state of the world when God comes back. Just because we have technology now, just because we have all these amazing things, doesn't mean that this will be the state of the world when God comes back. We may have done a whole lot more to destroy it, to set us back by the time he returns. And of course, these are visions given by God for all time to understand God's message to his people. And we're given, first of all, this picture of a wonderful wedding banquet, which, as we open the service earlier on with the words from the prophet Isaiah, we saw a wedding there, didn't we? So John is not concocting a new vision. He's not presenting something new. He's echoing the words of Scripture throughout time of this wonderful vision of a God who loves his people and wants to be joined in an eternal marriage to them. As I've said, Yoko and I are getting excited about our wedding celebration here at the end of June. And we're delighted that so many of you will be joining us. But the question this morning is, will you be joining the wedding feast like no other? As we know from our efforts to find a hog roast, there are plenty of other weddings happening on 25th of June. There are plenty of other hog roasts happening on 25th of June. But this wedding invite is a wedding like no other, friends. The food will be far greater and more tasty than anything that we know in this life. Have you received the invitation? Hopefully if you're here worshipping with us each and every week, you'll get an invitation on a weekly basis. The question is for you, have you responded yet to that invitation? You know, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, Jesus tells a parable of a great banquet, a great feast, with invites sent out to many. Yet sadly, not many reply positively. Instead, there are countless excuses given for non-attendance at the banquet. Many do not realize that this banquet is the wedding supper of the Lamb. And that it's a once-in-a-lifetime offer. Do we have our priorities straight? Are we pursuing God's invitation to flee the world whilst we can and attend the banquet? Or are we distracted by the busyness and the cares of the world around us? Friends, the message of Revelation 19 is that the wedding feast of the Lamb is not to be missed. All those saints in attendance are reveling and worshipping in the reality of the greatest celebration in human history. The end to all suffering. The end to all unrighteousness and injustice. And the full consummation 
of the righteous rule of the King of Kings. What more could you be asking for? What more could you want to see unfold before you? So the question for us is, is this wedding feast of the Lamb what we most desire and what we are most looking forward to? Because the answer to that will govern our response, will govern the shape of our lives, will govern everything from how we deal with our spouses, our children, what kind of employment we seek, what we spend our time and our money doing. Because in order for us to see things this way, we need to agree that the fall of Babylon is necessary. We need to confess that we have sinned with the great whore. We have believed her lies. We have suppressed the truth along with the world. We have lied and misrepresented God. Yet the beauty of the gospel, friends, the reason it is such good news is that a great invitation has gone out. A great exchange, friends, is possible. Our unrighteousness for his righteousness. Our rebellion for Jesus' faithfulness. What a God. What a saviour. We were reminded this week uh, by Steve Morley uh, of when John the Baptist's followers challenged Jesus over his disciples not fasting. If you want to find that, it's in Matthew 9, verses 14 and 15. They came saying, how come, how come we, uh, John's followers and, and the Pharisees, how come they fast, but, but all your followers, your disciples, they're not fasting? Implication being, of course, that they're not as devout. They're not as religious. They're not as godly. Well, Jesus responded, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast, said Jesus. Now, friends, this sermon is not where I begin laboring the merits of fasting. If you want to hear about more about that, then listen to Steve's message from Wednesday. But we certainly ought to consider such spiritual disciplines as an aid to prayer, as an aid to our spiritual growth. But the point is this, friends, there is a wedding like no other. Jesus, the Lord of history, is betrothed to his bride the church this is a reality now the holy spirit has come to those who belong to christ those who are his bride we already know the joy of the wedding feast yet it is fully and finally still to come the holy spirit is the comforter why because he assures us of the reality of this new life in the here and now. It's not something that we're just hedging our bets on for the future. It's not something that we just say, yes, Jesus is Lord. I want to just sit quietly in church and attend church throughout my life. And then one day I'll wave my golden ticket and enjoy the wonders of heaven. 
Friends, the Christian life starts here. It starts now. It starts today with joy and life in our hearts because Christ died for us. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. He assures us of this new reality in this life here and now that as spouses, we belong to one another. Jesus belongs to us. We belong to Jesus. Praise God. And so are we celebrating like the saints in Revelation 19? Are we celebrating at the demise of the cruel, unjust and sin-sick world system? I'm not saying are we celebrating when we see sinners crushed by their sin. We shouldn't be celebrating that. We should be praying fervently for their salvation. We should be begging the Lord for his mercy towards them. But we should be celebrating when the powers and structures of injustice come crashing down. Do we agree that the remnants of sin in our own lives are undesirable and incompatible with the holiness and grace of a sinless saviour? Friends, are we taking his side against our sin? Are we living for him? Is he really our king and our Lord? Oh friends, let us fear him as we rightly should. Let us, as it says in chapter 18 and verse 4, let us flee the judgment of the world that's coming. Let us flee by coming out of the world and finding sanctuary, our true safe space. You heard about safe spaces in the in the worldly dogma of the day? Safe spaces. Where criticism of chosen lifestyles is is banned. Friends, there's only one safe space. That's in Jesus. He is, in fact, the only safe space. Christ alone, for as the text tells us today, he is a faithful husband and he is a mighty warrior. His wedding day is coming. And we see this second picture of him as a warrior. Friends, the spiritual reality continues to be re revealed and opened to us most excellently and marvellously by our brother the Apostle John, as he sees through the door into heaven and catches a glimpse of the already reality, the great truth which is the foundation undergirding the whole of existence. And the one who upholds all things is revealed to be a great and mighty warrior. Far greater than any warrior imagined by ancient Rome or Babylon, or even in the modern age of warfare with armoured vehicles and missiles that can lay waste to entire cities, entire coastlines, as the Russians recently boasted. We have not become invincible, dear friends. We have merely and fearfully become capable of our own destruction. But we knew that as soon as we were expelled from the garden, didn't we? 
along with our ancient first parents, Adam and Eve. We took it upon ourselves to know better than God and to do what should never be done. Eat the fruit and prefer our way to his perfect way. Oh, woe is us, dear friends. And truly hopeless and helpless we would be like the futile, rebellious armies of this world that attempt to subvert the righteous and good law of God with lies and corruption that is on display all around us. Heaven's warrior, heaven's champion is called faithful and true. Verse 11. And with justice he judges and makes war. Friends, he sees everything. And he is the supreme authority over the universe. He wears many crowns, we're told. He is the blood-soaked word of God. And it's a very good thing that he is blood-soaked. Since it's his blood poured out for us at the cross of Calvary, which rescues us from the imminent judgment coming upon the world for all its idolatry and its immorality. This warrior will most certainly come again in a final appearance on the stage of human history to reconcile all things, both the righteous and the unrighteous. The righteous to know the everlasting blessings of her husband at the main event of the wedding supper and the unrighteous to the eternal judgment and notice from Chapter 19, another feast, one where the birds will feast on their flesh and their torment will be unending. John gave us us a glimpse of the final battle in verses 19 to 21. But the time for this is not yet, not quite. Friends, the victory, as we've heard time and again in Revelation, is Christ. It belongs to him. He is the victor. He is the conqueror going out irresistibly. His church going out irresistibly with the message of the gospel. His is a complete victory. And it's already been achieved through his death and resurrection. And so what we see now going on in the world all around us is a mopping up operation. There are still occasional flare-ups, some latent explosions and kicks of the enemy as he goes down. But it's only a matter of time. Jesus is on the throne and he is judging all that takes place. Do you know his name? Are you now a worshipper, given over to the pursuit of the king's agenda? Or are you offering any resistance? As Star Trek fans amongst us will know, resistance is futile. I'm not talking about resistance to the Borg. Okay? The Borg kind of represents the malevolent agents of assimilation which is the world, right? Which is the world. The world wants to just assimilate us to the way of the world, the way the world thinks. Friends, the real 
resistance is futile towards King Jesus. Only he knows his true name. Notice that. Yahweh. I was who I was. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. That's what his name means. He is who he is. You either know him or you don't. He alone knows his true name. Our God is who we know him to be. Faithful and true, says our brother John. He speaks the true word and none can resist it. Notice the sword that comes out of his mouth. With his sword he speaks the truth and it slays or it takes captive whoever it it confronts. And sooner or later, friends, it confronts everyone. His word convicts and captivates us or it judges and condemns us. There is no other way. So let us surrender today. Let us bow the knee in worship before our gracious and loving King. That's what we're doing. If we're accepting the invitation, we're bowing our knee to King Jesus. We're welcoming him with open arms. But notice our open arms have empty hands. We have nothing to offer him. He alone has achieved and won our salvation. So notice the theme of worship that's going on through chapter 19 of Revelation. What does true worship look like? Well, as it says in verse 7, it looks like wholehearted rejoicing. But also it looks like making ourselves ready. It looks like wholehearted rejoicing, but also making ourselves ready. This is the response, friend, the new life of the believer. Our Revelation series is entitled, Ready for the Return of the King? It's not a fait accompli, if you're a Christian here. We're not finished articles yet. Whilst breath remains in us, God has not yet finished with us. That's why the series is a question. It's not saying, you know, as Christians we're ready for the return of the king. I mean, in the big sense, we are ready because we've got we've had salvation gifted to us by faith. By grace, through faith. It's a free gift from God. And so in that sense, we are ready for the return of the king. But if he's given us breath, he's given us life, he's given us skills, he wants us to put them to use. He wants us to get into action. He wants us to pursue our readiness. There remains sanctification. There remains purification. There remains work for us to do. We must put on those robes. Those bright white garments prepared for us in advance by God to wear and complete. Or did you simply think that these white robes were for us as prizes once we've made our final journey home and the gathered multitude is swaying as one in the presence of the Lamb? Now that's a wondrous vision, right? But we're clearly told in Scripture that these robes are the righteous works of the saints these are the things that we're doing here and now friends 
here and now. Don't get me wrong. That vision of future glory in the presence of the Lord, that is our hope. That is the present reality for our dear departed ones, like Eleanor. But the fine linen, bright and clean, we're clearly told, are the righteous acts of the saints. Verse 8. So I want to ask you today, how's your linen? Now I'm not trying to suggest that if you've not yet quite caught up with your washing in time for Monday, that you're somehow falling behind. I'm asking, what's the state of your spiritual linen? How, how is the fruit of Christ in your life? Are you a prayerful, worshipful person? Because, friends, the kingdom of Christ is here already. If you are his, you've already started with the bucks, fizz and the canapes at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Do you like the taste? Are you enjoying yourself? Because you know Christ. Oh, joy, dear friends. Joy in the presence of the Lamb. And so let us join in the chorus of heaven. Let's join in the hallelujahs of Revelation 19. The world in its sins and injustices are under judgment. But he is made away by humility and reverent fear through changed hearts for both small and great, Jew and Gentile, to avoid the righteous wrath of God through the blood of shed willingly by the warrior king himself, Jesus, our sacrifice. And so what are we to do? Let's ensure that we've answered that wedding invite like no other. Let's go shopping for those pure linen garments. You know, Yoko and I are not expecting, you know, like a Hollywood parade on the red carpet, on our on our wedding celebration, 25th of June. If you don't have a dress, or you don't have a suit that you're happy with, you don't have to come in that. But let's go shopping for the pure linen garments. Let's try them out. Let's find the ones that fit. Let's make sure that when the thank yous and the commendations are read out, at that future gathering, that our names make an appearance because, dear friends, these are our spiritual acts of worship and they bring great glory to God, the one with whom we'll spend eternity. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Let's make sure that we are SVP. Shall we pray?